Welcome to Third Floor Views, where we at Chesapeake Family Life talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we are discussing local produce and the women who grow and sell it. Here with us today is Bridget Jones of Wildberry Farm and Market and Abigail Deal of Deal's Produce of Annapolis. Thank you both of you for being here with me today. So let's dive in. I'm really excited to have both of you here today. I love farmer's markets. I love the local growing scene and I want to learn more about it. So first, let's just jump in and have both of you talk a little bit about yourself and your business and sort of how you got to where you are. Bridget, let's start with you. Okay. Hi, I'm Bridget Jones. I own Wildberry Farm and Market in Crownsville, Maryland. We are fourth generation on our farm. Our farm used to be a large tobacco farm and it has dwindled down from about 300 acres to 80 acres, what is now the farm. We recently switched our produce from crops such as soybeans and corn to flowers and of course produce. We have a seasonal farmer's market uh, during the season and then we also host various other events, farm events, a vendor market the second Saturday of every month. I live here on the farm with my husband and his extended family. There's about four houses of extended family on the farm. So all my nieces live here. It's really great. And we have uh, two children uh, ourselves. We have 14 chickens and our dog. I love it. I love talking about the family and, and, you know, you got to include all of the furried and feathered ones as well, because they require just as much care. Oh yeah. Abby, how about you? Tell us just a little bit about Deal's Produce. So my name is Abigail Deal. I grew up in Smyrna Park, Maryland, and I, my father has run the Deal's Produce in Smyrna Park for almost 50 years now. I branched off about 10 years ago to open the Annapolis location and I'm loving every minute of it. Keeps me very busy, but we're open from April till December, selling all of the kind of flowers and plants that you put, put in your garden, hanging baskets during the spring, fresh local produce from all the surrounding farms of Maryland and Pennsylvania during the summertime, sweet corn and peaches and tomatoes. And then we go to pumpkins for Halloween and then Christmas trees during the Christmas season, raisin roping and apple cider and things like that. So it's been in my family. My whole family works in the business. My sister runs the Smyrna Park location, as my dad is semi-retired, but still involved, (laughs) Um, which is great for him. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And this year, more than ever, is very needed. Hmm. Absolutely. It sounds like for both of you, this is absolutely a family business, and there's a a lot of people involved. Can you talk just a little bit about what it takes to grow and sell produce in the area? Abigail, let's start with you. So what's the process of of getting food to the market? So again, this year has actually been different than every other year. However, our normal process, we are kind of the middleman. We have farmers all over, generational farmers, such as Bridget herself, that we have worked with all over Maryland and Pennsylvania. Uh, Clayton Farms is a big one that we work with over in Denton, Maryland. Deep Run Farms over in Carroll County. Richardson Farms up in White Marsh. I've got like a melon guy over on the Eastern Shore, but we have my dad's done it for so long that he kind of figures out who has the best of everything. And you'll learn that tree fruit grows better in the mountainous regions. So mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania and Westminster, Maryland, that's where you want to get your apples and your peaches because it just grows better in the altitude compared to on the Eastern shore, which is very flat where you're going to have your corn and tomatoes and vine fruit. And that's kind of thrive over there. So having an, a lot of knowledge about what, you know, the better quality of things and where they're coming from. We're able to, we've got truck drivers going every single day to go get, get produce picked. And we've got corn coming every single every single day getting picked that morning. So, you know, it's as fresh as possible. 
And it's it's really the difference is about getting things that are ripen, like ripened on the vine or tree ripened or actually you know grown to be ripe compared to picked green to save the shelf life, which is when you're going to ship it somewhere across country and things like that. So having this local fresh produce from farmers all around here, the quality is better, the price is better, and, and you're supporting local families and farmers that we need very much. So now Bridget can talk about how she actually grows it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Bridget. Okay, so... When the farm, the last person to classically farm our fields was Matt's grandfather. He passed away back in the 90s and a farmer down the road was farming our fields for probably close to 25 to 30 years. He recently passed and my husband, um, who actually has a career in the marine industry doing yacht restoration, and I decided to take over the farm and the farming operations so that we could keep our land agricultural. So aside from the normal planting, harvesting, all that sort of thing, it does take a lot of grit and determination, especially for us. This is more of, I call it our weekend job, (laughs) but I'm the one doing it during the week with now our kids too, because you know, we're homeschooling and it's it's very rewarding but it's very hard hard labor intensive work you know we have had some pest problems this year with the amount of development in our area whereas this used to be entirely farmland on our road it's a lot of neighborhoods now so the deer really get pushed to the far- the local farms they don't really have anywhere to go so you know trying to keep up with i call it diversifying your farm to the 21st century <laughs> you really have to think of other ways to create revenue not just planting and growing but also farm events, local community, and really showing people not only what it takes to run a farm and grow uh, food and produce and, you know, raise chickens or whatever, you know, your farm may be. It also, like Abigail was saying, is really important for our community. It's better food, it's higher quality, and the prices are better. So if we can really sustain our agriculture here and keep our farm agricultural, that's, at the end of the day, that's (laughs) my dream. Yeah, absolutely. Something I immediately noticed with what both of you said is how much both of you are really also ecologists. And so my background is actually as an environmental scientist, and I'm a former classroom teacher and would be teaching ecology to kids. And I hear from both of you, you know, whether that's you, Abigail, talking about like, oh, I noticed that any sort of fruit I really want to be getting from the mountainous regions or, you know, corn and tomatoes are coming from, you know, flatter areas, you know, and and being aware of the role that geology plays into this or looking at habitat fragmentation and that role that that plays on your farm, Bridget, and how both of you are so connected to the land and the ecosystem. And I think that right now people often forget the role that food plays in the environment and in the ecosystem. So we'll we'll jump into that a little bit down the conversation about how that works and what your relationship is with the environment. But it's something that immediately that I notice, and I think that's it's really I'm interesting. I've got a comment on that when we get to it later. Don't yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> I can't wait. So let's also talk about, and both of you mentioned this as well as the role of of not only are you farmers, but really you're also small business owners. And how has it been hard getting support from the community? What does that look like to be a small business owner in this area normally, but then maybe also right now? Bridget, let's start with you. Okay. So I actually have had a really great experience with our community. The greatest thing about this is that I've met people, especially at our markets, that I never would have met before that are actually my neighbors because there's so much space in between the houses here. We have a farm behind us and a farm next to us. And then there's some pretty spread out houses across the road. 
I hadn't really met our neighbors before, um, which sounds kind of crazy, but it's just, you know, not, it, we're not close physically close. So I met a lot of really great people. I actually used to do social media and marketing in the Annapolis marine industry prior to, you know, starting the business on the farm. And so as far as like social media and, and everything, I feel like it's been, I mean, the community is just so welcoming. Our family is really supportive. And, you know, aside from anytime you deal with, with the public, and I'm sure Abigail can, can relate to this, you have like really, really great experiences. And then there's every so often just an experience that makes you want to pull your hair out. However, that's just what you're signing up for. And, but overall, everyone's just been really, really great. They've been supportive. They love coming up to the farm. Um, I feel like it gives them kind of a, a sense of peace. I know that it does for me. It's like when you cross the driveway, you're just like, oh, it feels so good to be here. Like, it's open land and it's beautiful and it just I, I feel like it's a really needed thing especially right now those wide open spaces and people are craving it yeah yeah definitely how about you Abigail what's your role been in the community and how has the community support looked like I agree with Bridget 100% the community has been incredible they the city of Annapolis can be very difficult to work with in any kind of relation on business and any kind of, I guess, permitting and processing that you need to do in the city of Annapolis is usually a nightmare. I will admit that the city was beyond supportive of us in our project that we wanted to do. We did have one, one person who is a lawyer and they care about legality more than anything else. So they were kind of fighting when we were first originally trying to set up our produce stand in Eastport in our location. It wasn't like technically the right zone to do a, an open air market like that. And we were going for a special exception to be able to get it done. And there's, you know, one person I think in the whole city and community that was not on board. And besides that, the rest of the community, including the city really supported us, which was insane to me. And it was a, a really amazing to see. But it's when your community wants something and then you try and tell them that they can't have it, you'll see what happens. <laughs> it was really great. They stood up and like got very loud saying that they wanted us to be there. So they really fought for us to be able to, to really open, open up in the first place. So that was incredible. And we've had continued support since then. Now, social media, in my opinion, is another thing that is amazing in so many levels. I use it to market and advertise and post pictures of what we have available and things like that. But then you can have your one bad apple that wants to post something you know negative about your business. And that can really be scary because you know as much support as you have a lot you know one bad comment can go viral and that's scary and whether it's true or not <laughs> um, but I, I I have been very fortunate that anytime we you know think that we have something negative maybe which isn't often at all but once in a while something happens the amount of support that we get actually that backs it up is really incredible too so I've overall been you know over very supported and a great experience on on all levels so mm -hmm. Fortunate <laughs> so is that your, most of your promotion and marketing, is that through social media and then also word of mouth? Yeah, exactly. We've never really paid for advertising or done anything like that. I've learned in different industries how much advertising and marketing does matter, but I've been really fortunate with our produce market that it's all been all word of mouth. My dad's built such an amazing reputation from the Swerna Park location that we didn't need to do a lot of advertising. And I'm sure that we could build more and do more and we're, you know, we want to and we're trying to grow as much as possible. But I also love the family feel and, and growing too big is hard because I'm a control freak and <laughs> not being able to control everything is difficult for me. <laughs> How about you, Bridget? Do you, do you feel the same way in terms of social media and uh, the community is your biggest way to market yourself? Yeah, yeah. I have, uh, like Abigail, I haven't really paid for social, or sorry, for marketing. I've done all of my 
Instagram, Facebook, everything's been very organic. I do post to Chesapeake Family Magazine for events. I post to the Gazette and, and all the local patches. So like when we are having, you know, back to school photos or our seasonal market, I will list those in those event sections, which does take added time. But having had a career prior to this, doing that, <laughs> I kind of have a streamlined, you know, process that I go through. So once a week, I do sit down and just go through everything that I need to do, plan everything out. And it kind of frees me up to be able to do, you know, all the farming stuff during the week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, there are so many prongs involved, you know, one minute you're, you know, doing marketing and then the next you're in the field. And then, you know, there are just so many aspects of it, of being, I think, a small business owner in particular that are just so challenging. You have to- I, I literally change my outfit probably three times a day, depending on if I'm driving a truck to a farm or if I have to run and get on a Zoom call or if I have to yeah, be in the office, it's, it's multiple outfits a day. <laughs> yeah, a lot of laundry. <laughs> yes, exactly. But let's continue along this line of what it's like to be a small business owner, but let's dive into the fact that both of you are women and you're in this local community as female farmers. What sort of hoops have you had to jump through or support you've had to find in places that maybe if you were a man, you wouldn't have had to have the same challenges? Bridget, let's start with you. So I actually haven't really run into this very much. My uh, my father-in-law, which had a produce stand back in the late 80s, early 90s, he's been so supportive. I guess I probably get a few funny looks from some of the more old school, like classic farmers, but <laughs> they, you know, doesn't really bother me. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm taken very seriously. I feel like it's something unique. And maybe Abigail can even relate to this because we, we are both women, but it's a more of a male-dominated, you know, profession, I would say. There, there are times where I do have to be a little more stern or hold my own a little bit more, but the best part about the creative community, which I'm very in touch with in the Annapolis area, is that it's mostly women-owned businesses that come to our vendor markets. And really, that's my heart, is supporting them and uplifting the women-owned businesses in the area. So other than, you know, just a few funny glances here and there, I haven't really had much experience. Hopefully Abigail can speak a little bit more into this because it is very near and dear to my heart. But, but yeah, I, I haven't really had to, you know, I guess maybe sometimes I'm a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a, I don't want to say the, what, the word I want to say, but <laughs> I'm a little bit harder around the edges <laughs> than <laughs> maybe most other, you know, kind of need to be when you're running a farm. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. I agree with Bridget, hands down. And I think in this industry, I agree with you that it's very male dominated, but I almost think that as long as you're willing to do the work, they're happy to see women involved. You know, like they're like, if you showed up, you know, to go pick up your produce and didn't want to break your nail and weren't willing to load the truck, then they would be frustrated with you. But if you show up there and are willing to work the pallet jack and throw in and help out, then they actually have a lot of respect for us. These, you know, it's really exciting to see, to gain that level of respect and have them treat you well, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I do think that it, sometimes it's a bonus since it's such a male dominated industry. I think that they're happy to see a female once in a while <laughs> and have a, you know, they're like, oh, yay, pretty faces here to chat to, you know, <laughs> once in a while rather than all the guys that they deal with every day, you know, so I think that once in a while it can be a bonus, but it is uh, difficult and I this is where I think I mentioned I do work in the medical cannabis industry as well. And I think that that industry it would be a definitely different conversation. But like that, I've, I've found a lot more hardship being a woman in that industry than I have in the, in the Maryland, in the produce industry. 
So that's, yeah, that's a different conversation there. But in the produce industry and the farming industry, again, as long as you're willing to do the work, then I think that they, that it, then it works well. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I wonder if part of that might be just because of where we are is sort of in this timeline of that there are more women farmers maybe than there were before. And maybe in the, in the cannabis industry, because it's a little bit a younger industry that it's, it's just not there yet. I wonder if we were having the same conversation, maybe 10 or 20, even 30 years ago, if, if it would be the same. And if that's the case, then that's great news because there is progress being made. And the fact that both of you are standing here and saying that you, you feel pretty confident and feel pretty positive about it is, is a pretty big deal. So on the other side of that, you know, you're both local business owners. Why is buying local or supporting local so important? I feel like it has become a bit of a buzzword, but just to sort of inform our, our listeners and viewers today, you know, what is the power of local? Abigail, let's start with you. Well, not only the quality is number one, but it's really about the community. And it's about that, like my produce market, all of the kids that we have working at my produce market are all high school kids that live in the neighborhood or around the area. And it's really, first of all, it's really cool to see these 15 and 16 year old kids coming in and learning how to work and teaching them this ethic of how to be responsible. And it's really fun to kind of be a mentor to some of these kids around the neighborhood, but it's just supporting the local farms. When you are buying stuff from I'm not going to name names and get negative at all, but at the same time, when you're supporting, not worried about where it's coming from, and it's coming from all over the country, or Guatemala, or Mexico, or out of the country especially, some a lot of stores will say, like, oh, we've got organic red peppers, and when you actually look at the sticker, it's organic from Guatemala, mm. and nothing against Guatemala. I actually love to travel very much. Central America and South America are amazing, and I am down to go everywhere. When you're saying you're getting an organic red pepper, and it's coming from out of the country, I'm curious about the standards for that, and how that's really measured, engaged, and to, to support your local farmers, first of all, you know what you're getting and especially in these times the amount of minimal contacts coming onto the that produce and that food that you're eating and um and it's just really supporting the community around you mm-hmm. and again the agriculture as well and the land oh this is what i want to say real quick about that so christmas trees there's the whole trend of everyone going to the next uh, buying fake christmas trees and part of it i think you know there's lots of different reasons for it but um you know some people think like oh it's you know we're cutting down these trees so we feel better about the environment by buying a plastic tree that we can reuse every year. Well, these tree farmers all over all over the country are growing these trees for Christmas trees to be cut down. <laughs> so they actually are planting millions and millions and millions of trees every year for this industry. So when we stop supporting that industry, these tree farms that are planting millions of trees every year have to stop planting millions of trees every year. So we're actually killing our environment, which drives me insane. Sorry. That's just another thing I have to say about that. And I'll pass it to Bridget. <laughs> so I feel like Abigail covered a lot of a lot of points that I was gonna talk on as well. But you know, I think that buying local when when somebody buys local from a local business, you are buying a ballet lesson for their daughter. You are buying a soccer season for their son. You are putting food on their table or supporting them in some way. Whereas like Abigail mentioned, if you are buying from a, you know, a large corporation, even out of the country or, you know, within the United States, large, large corporation, you don't necessarily know where that money is going. But when you buy local, you know exactly the family that you are supporting. So when when you buy, you know, a tomato from us, that's going into our family. It, it goes from the market to us. 
and our, our farm. And, you know, we have equipment, we have kids, we have animals and all those things cost money. So, so the fact that the farm can be a little bit of a return for us is really ideal for our situation, just because it is such an undertaking to take care of this much land. But also, you know, I've gotten to know so many of our customers, which I'm sure Abigail can also relate to. And the fact that they keep coming and that they keep wanting to support us is just so heartwarming and brings us a lot of joy because otherwise we wouldn't, like I said before, wouldn't have met these people. And the fact that they can directly be a part of our story, just it, it just really warms my heart. Yeah. And it sounds like the money is staying in the community because I love how you talked about by buying a tomato, you're buying your daughter, you know, a ballet lesson. Mm -hmm. So that money is going to you and then to another small business owner who is providing those ballet lessons. So it's really keeping the money local opposed to what Abigail was saying with, you know, you're, you're buying this pepper from Guatemala and there's so many steps along the way to get that pepper here from Guatemala. It's, your, that money is sort of spread out, in this case, really across the world. So keeping that money within the community is really helping the, the community grow. And one more um, thing, sorry, we've been able to also, so we are a cash business, so we do cash and checks, and we haven't started taking credit cards quite yet. Um, we did just launch a website, so we can do credit cards on the online website payment. But uh, for the produce markets, cash and check, and with COVID going on, and the amount of you know, trying to stay clean and healthy, we've kind of offered this roundup program. So when you pay with cash, if you would rather donate your change, just, you know, any change to, we've been raising money for first responders and needy families and people that are struggling during this time right now. And we've been able to donate thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to the hospital, to the fire department, to Love and Lunches in Baltimore. My friend Jillian has, she's been providing lunches every Sunday to the homeless out in Baltimore, to uh, feed Anne Arundel County, like so many different programs that we've been able to support through all of, through this produce market. So it's been incredible the amount we've been able to do. And that is because of our community and because of our customers. And we would never have been able to do it without customers supporting us and, and then us being able to support the community around us. It's been great. Absolutely. Because you're, you're local and you care. You care about the community. The community supports you. So you support the community. It, it makes so much sense. And, and thank you. Thank you for all that great work. I mean, again, it's, it's, we're able to do it because of the community around us. Absolutely. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, definitely. So you were talking about COVID and how some of the things have been changing a little bit because of COVID. Bridget, and you also sort of mentioned earlier that things are looking a little bit different right now. Could you just speak, how has COVID impacted your work this year? How has it looked different and, and how are you managing that? So Bridget, let's start with you on that. Yeah. So one of the things that was a little bit scary is that during the, during the off season and then it's mostly like spring and fall, we rent out our farm to local photographers. And when we were totally locked down, that income completely stopped. And it was very frustrating, very scary. I know that our photographer friends felt very scared and, and frustrated too, because it is really a no contact business. You're far away. You're shooting from far away. We are exclusive here. So it's one photographer with their clients at a time. Um, so that, that was really tough and just not just the unknown of not knowing, but on the flip side, my husband was actually on the farm for a few weeks, <laughs> totally like just here. We got so much done. <laughs> Like we got fences built. We, oh, it was just amazing. And I was like, never go back. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, aside from that first, you know, shutdown and not really 
knowing what to do with the photography thing. Once our season started back up around June, things were looking up a little bit more. And because we are considered agricultural, we are essential. So we could still have our market, you know, we could still provide produce at the, we have like a small market stand at the end of the road that's open certain times during the week. And we were able to still operate that. And, you know, people still came. It's outdoors. I think that there's like a sense of comfort that we're not an indoor, you know, Abigail also is open air. So with that open air, I feel, I feel like people are a little bit more likely to come, you know, get their produce, hang out a little bit, chat, and then, you know, go on their way. And also you get to be outside in the sun and have some vitamin D. So... (laughs) Definitely. Yes. We all need a little bit more of that right now. How about you, Abigail? How's COVID impacted your work? It sounds like maybe credit cards are in your future. (laughs) Yes, I do believe so. Unfortunately, I tried to fight it as long as I could, but I think we're going to be happening soon. No, like Bridget said, though, it's been very interesting this year. We have been deemed essential. And I think that being an outdoor market is game changing. And I think that's what really has been amazing for us this season is that people don't want to go inside anywhere. Um, So being able to be outside and shop and get what you need. We've actually even, a friend of mine is bringing seafood up from North Carolina, from the Outer Banks, like those big giant golf shrimp. And he's been selling it all around town. And he's like, hey, can I come set up at your produce market? And I was like, you know what? Yes, absolutely. Like, so we've been doing that every Friday afternoon. And I think that that's even better. Just giving people a place to buy stuff where they don't have to go to the store can be comfortable and it's easy for them. And again, we even, we just launched a website that offers local delivery. So we, for people that don't want to go out um, right now, we can just deliver to your home to make it easier for people just trying to do everything that we can to make people feel more comfortable, stay as safe as possible. It's been a scary time being in, I've been responsible for so many people, not only your employees, but feeling responsible for your customers to make sure that everybody is in a safe space right now is very stressful and very, that's, that's my biggest stress right now is just people's safety. And I want to make sure that everybody's safe and I feel very responsible for that. So that's been very stressful. But again, the demand for produce this season has been incredible. We've had more support this year than we've ever had. And the, you know, in the previous years when people would come in and shop and they'd always be happy about everything, but you'd always hear comments here or there, you know, like, uh, like just little complaints about this or how hot the weather is or this or that, or just anything. And now anybody that comes through, you know, comes walking in, they're like, it's so great out here. Thank you so much for being here. It's just a positive, positive, positive tone with almost everybody. Now you very rarely have that negative person and really the negative, the only negative comments you ever hear anymore about the masks in my opinion, you know, like from customers coming in saying, Oh, I have to wear a mask here outside too. And I say, yes, I appreciate it. And they do. And it's, that's the biggest, you know, negative comment we hear, which everyone understands and puts it on and deals with it. So it's good, but we've been very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's good. I think we all need, we need that space. We need that space to be able to, to interact with people in some way. So we talked about it briefly several times, but I want to make sure we explicitly come back to it is your role in the environment as a farmer. How do you see yourself in that connection between you and the land or you and the environment? Abigail, you already talked a little bit briefly about about Christmas trees and growing them. And I think that's a really important point to bring up. So how do you see yourself and your connection between being a farmer and working with produce and the environment? Hmm. I am beyond passionate, (laughs) slightly like crazily. I'm very passionate about what I do and I love every minute of it. I work way too much every day, pretty much, but I love what I do. So I don't feel like I'm always working, but I, I, 
I think I've always been a big hippie at heart. <laughs> and you can see I get very emotional when I talk about the Christmas tree situation because it just drives me insane that people don't understand. And that's, that's all it is. It's, it's lack of knowledge and people not understanding that this is actually something that is good for our environment instead of negative. So um, just educating people. And I constantly try to do that <laughs> as much as I possibly can. And I mean, I don't know. Things have changed. This world is crazy right now. The amount that the world has healed itself over the past, you know, six months with things being slowed down is really amazing to see that we can control things that we're doing to the to the planet. And I am very lucky and happy that I work in a space that allows me to benefit, like that I get to help people and that I get to help the environment and that I get to support all these local farmers. And I, I feel very, like what I do matters a lot. And I am thankful and appreciative that I have that to focus on. Definitely. What about you, Bridget? What is your role as being a, a farmer and your relationship with the environment? I can really relate to a lot of what Abigail was saying. What I like to call us, you know, us on the farm is that we are stewards of the land. And so our job is to not put any unnecessary strain on the land. We want our fields to be healthy. We don't want runoff from our fields. We, you know, one of the things that that I am kind of passionate about is, and maybe I'm a little bit of a hippie at heart too, Abigail, um, is the rise of no-till farming. And essentially what you are doing is you are dowsing the fields and herbicides, essentially Roundup, and then planting over top of that. And so you're planting a, an entire field of food in pesticides, herbicides, you know, those types of things. And that just doesn't sit right with me, to be quite honest with you. We tend to be a little bit more old school here. It's harder. It's harder to grow organic. It is, the weeds are insane. <laughs> but we are committed to being as healthy and chemical free as possible. If I wouldn't feed it to my kids, I wouldn't feed it to you. So when you are buying from us, you are buying from somebody or a family that's very, very passionate about the food that they are providing you. The, the produce and the product is literally from our hearts. Like we are the only person to have touched it and it is going directly to you. So, you know, like I said, it is harder. It's very, very hard work. I sleep very well at night, <laughs> um, but, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, huge thank you to both of you and all the work that you do and for taking a little bit of time today to talk to me and our listeners and viewers to learn more about, about what it takes to get food from the farm to our table and all of those community and environmental connections in there as well. So thank you again to Bridget Jones and Abigail Deal for being here. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you enjoyed what you heard today, check out more at thirdfloorviews.com. I'm Jenna Jefferson. This is Third Floor Views. Thank you for listening.